Oh, welcome back in on this Top 5 Tuesday here on Main Street Sports Today. I'm Chris Yao along with Mo Patton. J.P. Plant on the controls making sure that we look decent, sound great. Don't put that on me about you looking decent. Oh, I meant the... Sh- <laughs> He does you guys, a, he you guys does, do look good today. Does a fine job. Does a fine job. And also make sure that we get our guests in on the air. So glad to have Wes Rucker of 27, 24-7 Sports. Not 27 Sports, although there probably are 27 Sports only. 27 outs, maybe. There know. you go. 24-7 Sports. Yeah. And I, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about the top-ranked UT Vols baseball team, but... You know, we might want to get some other thoughts as well. So let's bring him in. Wes, what's going on? How are you? Always a lot going on, fellas, but uh, it's not such a bad day today. Hope you're doing all right. We're doing well, Wes. Appreciate you taking some time from an obviously busy day, again, to talk about the top-ranked baseballs um, coming off of their sweep down at Oxford this past weekend. Um, I think UT was ranked number one in a poll or in some polls going into that one, but they were number five in the D1 baseball poll. Ole Miss was number one. And to to quote a meme, and I took that personally. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, it, it looked like Tennessee really went in there with a chip on their shoulders, and it was firmly planted right until the end on Sunday. Yeah, that's a good point, Mo. I mean, I think that, that they, you know, going into this season, Tennessee was ranked in every poll, but it was ranked kind of in maybe the high teens, some areas around there. And, you know, I, I speaking of taking things personally, I, I think the Vols took that personally. You know, they obviously got rated by the MLB draft last year, but they returned a lot of talent too. And, and they brought in a really big recruiting class, including a couple of guys who probably should have gone pro or had the had good chances to go pro, um, but didn't didn't do that. Chose to go to Tennessee, and, and so they felt like going into the season they were a really good team again, and they felt like they weren't getting respect, which is sort of the Rodney Dangerfield sort of mm-hmm. mentality that that helped rise that program in the first place. You know, nobody respects us, nobody thinks we're anything, and that's that's always been a powerful motivator in sports. It, it was. At the beginning of time, it is now, it will be in the future. It's just kind of one of those things you can kind of stick on a wall to motivate yourself. And, and even going into Saturday's game, after Tennessee blew their doors off in the first game, uh, you know, you had that Ole Miss pitcher come out and say, well, they play in a small ballpark, so we thought we could pitch aggressively, and, you know, we, we made some mistakes. I guarantee you we'll beat them tomorrow. Well, Tennessee's players' entire team was made aware of that text or made aware of that uh, quote in a text message like 30 minutes after it happened <laughs> and that really motivated Oops. them going into the next day too and they put a 10-3 on them and then they they held on the next day and beat them again and yeah I mean I, I think that there's always been a chip on the shoulder of this program since Vitello got there that's kind of their mindset and it works for them well they certainly reacted better to being underranked than another orange team did to being underseated, but we'll I guess we'll just digress. Whist, whistle past that. Please do. But um, you're not wrong, though. You're not wrong. This this Tennessee team sits at 23 and one overall, six and zero in SEC play, and we'll get more into what awaits them this weekend here in a minute. But it's if you're a UT fan, 
you have to be really excited about what Tennessee has done over these first 24 games when you consider that at the end of last season, the guy who would have been considered their best returning pitcher has yet to throw a pitch in a game. Blade Tidwell from uh, from Loretto um, has been sidelined with an arm issue, and um, these guys have rolled without him. I mean, where does <laughs> where does he fit in, Wes, when he comes back? That's an excellent question, and you know, I think Vitello keeps being like, "Oh, that's going to sort itself out. That's going to sort itself out." Because I don't, I, I, you know, I just don't know if he knows right now. And, and you know, the other thing is another guy who was. Probably going to be a weekend starter, Seth Halverson, the transfer from Mizzou, who got drafted last year but still decided to make the transfer and go to Tennessee to up his draft stock. He hadn't thrown a pitch this season either because he's also had an arm injury and he's supposed to come back maybe in a couple of weeks. And and I think they'll probably just slot him into the bullpen um, because he's got stuff that could, you know, 100 mile an hour fastball that could really, really play nicely out of the pen um, and, and maybe mitigate some of his control issues. But, but to answer your question with Tidwell, I mean, it's a great question, and I don't know. When you look at the numbers of, the, of those three-weekend starters, who do, I mean, who do you bump out of there? It's not going to be Burns. It, it can't be Chase Burns, right? I mean, that, that kid's just phenomenal. But Speaking again, of 100. It can't really be Drew Beam. It can't be Drew Beam on Sunday really either. And then the other guy just so happens to be the reigning SEC, you know, pitcher of the week who also throws about 100 miles an hour and – has a ridiculous strikeout-to-walk ratio. I don't know how they play this. I mean, I guess the easiest thing to do would be to have Tidwell have a few long, you know, games out of the bullpen to kind of build his arm back up. But he's already kind of been throwing bullpen sessions to get ready. Like, you don't just throw him out there cold to begin with. So he was in the bullpen for the weekend against uh, Ole Miss. They got him warm on Sunday but didn't use him in the ninth. Maybe they bring him out of the pen a few times and kind of let the thing play itself out. But I don't know. I mean, it is a tough question. It's a great problem for a coach to have, but it is by definition a problem. Well, and just obviously with a couple of guys who are throwing close to 100, I mean, are they options for just strictly closing? You know, that's a good question because Redmond Walsh, their closer, who throws, you know, about a mean 86-mile-an-hour heater, he, um, <laughs> but, but he's a guy who's, you know, God, I mean, his career ERA is like below two, and he's the one who gets the big outs late in big games. He's done it basically his entire career. I mean, he went in there and struck out Tim Elko, you know, late in the game against Ole Miss there on Sunday, mm-hmm. and the guy just gets out. He's kind of got one of those Bugs Bunny change-ups, and he gets out. So, uh, And then, you know, you've also got Ben Joyce out of the bullpen, who is the guy who throws 104 miles an hour. So, I mean, you know, where – Again, it's a great problem to have, um, but, you know, it, and I'll say this too, it's easier when you're winning, right? If you're 23-1, and one, it's really easy to keep guys in line and keep guys motivated, um, but, you know, if you lose a couple games here and there, you know, that's where it becomes, you know, a, a, as much about man management as it does about baseball management. I mean, you're going to have to take a guy who probably does not deserve to be in the bullpen, and you're going to put him in the bullpen, because you got no choice. The other option is putting him in there as a midweek starter, um, which, you know, is, is something that a lot of guys would kind of not love to do. Um, but the guy that got doing that now, Sandra Z. Chris, is also really good. So, again, no matter which way you slice it, it's an issue. I think they got to put Tidwell in the rotation. 
I just don't know where. As you talk about this Tennessee pitching staff, there is a common theme there. A lot of guys throwing in triple digits, and Tidwell is right in that mix whenever he does get back. I mean, that kind of velo, regardless of who you're putting on the bump, Wes, is got to be a little intimidating. Yeah, it plays, right? I mean, you know, they say defense and rebounding travel in basketball. Well, I'd say velocity travels in baseball, you know? I mean, it, it both sort of both sort of literally and metaphorically, you know, it, it travels. And, uh, you know, if you're effectively wild with that, it kind of, you know, makes guys uncomfortable in the box. You know, it, it, it makes all your breaking stuff even more devastating. You know, they've, they've just got a lot of guys who, who pump the veal and they're really high. And then they've got guys who also are hitting like 450-foot homers on offense. I mean, the, the unsung hero in this program was Quentin Everhart, the strength and conditioning coordinator who came with Vitello to Knoxville like five years ago. And he just got hired two months ago by the Chicago Cubs to be their head strength and conditioning coach. And as a lifelong, deep in my family Cubs fan, boy, that made me happy because uh, you want to hear a fun fact? Tennessee's pitching rotation, av- the average fastball is like three miles an hour faster than the Cubs' average fastball Goodness right now. Gracious. Um, I mean, <laughs> that, it's crazy. And these, this is track man data, like officially tracked. And, and Tennessee's also got like 18 more home runs than any team in college baseball. It's bonkers, and, and so and they don't just hit them at power, home. Contrary to no, popular no, I mean, belief, yeah, they hit five. Yeah, they they hit five there in that opener at, at Ole Miss. I mean, you know, they've got you know guys like Beck and Lipsius and and even freshman freshman Christian Moore, who looks like he should be a safety on the football team. I mean, these guys. It's funny every time that you see like an you know an opposing team's kind of you know, their, their SEC network crew or, or one of those guys call a game, they talk about going down to BP and just sort of being wowed by the physical size of Tennessee's guys. They look like men. And and that is uh, probably why they throw the ball and hit the ball as, as hard as they do because they're massive. They really do look like kind of a scaled-down football team. And, and, you know, you see some of the size of those guys physically – and you see why they do it. And that, that was a big part of that was recruiting, um, but also Quentin Everhart. And as a lifelong coach fan, I got to tell you, I'm not hating that. <laughs> Speaking with Wes Rucker of 24-7 Sports here on Main Street Sports today, talking a little UT baseball as the top-ranked Vols get ready to come to Hawkins Field this weekend for a three-game series against currently ranked number nine in D1 baseball. Vanderbilt and Wes um, as we are based here in Columbia and you're talking about this Tennessee offense that outscored Ole Miss 22 I'm sorry 26 to 7 in that three-game series we would be remiss if we didn't ask you former Columbia Academy standout Kavaris Tears has not gotten in a bat this year and you and I chatted a little bit over the weekend about that um Give us an update to the best of your ability regarding KT. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest, Mo, they love him. Uh, you know, the few times I've asked about him, now it's been about two weeks since I've asked about him, um, but everything that I have heard about him since he's been there has been good. In fact, some of his um, BP numbers were just astounding. I mean, they, they talk about the, the, you know, they track all the exit velocities and things like that. They love him, especially as an offensive prospect going forward. 
The problem is, who do you take out of the lineup? <laughs> you know, because it, if you're taking out Luke Lipsius at first base, you know who you're putting in? Blake Burke, a guy who, you know, hit about a 455-foot home run last week, you know, went to modern day in California, was one of the best prospects in the country. And then if you don't put him in, then are you putting Logan Steenstra over there, who also is a guy who's going to get drafted? They've just got a lot of talent right now. They really like tiers, but they just don't have a place either in the outfield or first base to put him right now. So I think the plan has been to redshirt him. And if you'll notice, a couple other guys too, like Kyle Booker, a kid from the Memphis area, who is, I think, a, a hell of a prospect. He's a guy who played a little bit last year, started some last year. But this year, he didn't have a great camp um, preseason-wise. He, he was kind of erratic offensively. And he, he really he wasn't active for the for the roster last weekend. So, I mean, the, I think they're going to redshirt tears. I think they're going to see where things go in the offseason. But they really, really like his potential. And with another big offseason in the strength and conditioning program, uh, maybe a summer play, you know, summer ball in one of those summer leagues across the country, getting more at, more, getting more at bat. I think they really like him going forward. He's always going to be pressed for playing time if Tennessee keeps recruiting like this. But they they brought him in for a reason. He wasn't like a, you know, we're bringing him in because he's an in-state kid or he's a nice kid or yada yada. Like, they think he can play. And I think that, that he will play. It'll just be, you know, down the road. There you go. Wes Rucker of 24-7 Sports. Wes, before we get you out of here real quick, just want to get your uh, your – Quick early thoughts on spring football. How 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 are the how are the hypo hype kids doing? I think they're looking fine as far as I can tell. I mean, we're out there a good bit. Some of the guys look better physically. Um, but then there's some places where it's hard to tell because I think like two thirds of their of the cornerbacks on their roster are dinged up and aren't out there right now which I imagine Tennessee's offense is probably peeing off on a daily basis knowing those guys. You know, I can't – I don't think Cedric Tillman's tired to be like, oh, your, your best guys aren't here, so I'll just run three-quarter routes today. <laughs> I mean, that's not how they go. So I, I think that there's places where they need to get better across the field, and that's on both sides of the ball. But I keep looking at the defense. That, to me, is the place where – as long as Heifel has been coaching football, his offenses have been exceptional. They are really, really good. They go fast like Ricky Bobby. They put points on the board. They do all those things. Defensively, last season, they were okay at times. I mean, I think Tim Banks is a pretty sharp guy. I, I think they did a decent amount of what they had. They just didn't have a lot. And so, you know, they, they blitzed a lot. They brought a lot of pressure. They gave up a lot of big plays. Um, they need to be more consistent defensively, and to be frank, they need better players defensively. I think they've signed some, um, but I think they're going to have to develop them. And that, to me, is the question of how far this team goes next season. I, I think offensively, Eiffel's there, Golish is there, Halsley's there. They're going to be just fine. Um, defensively, they got to keep getting guys. they got to keep getting a little bit better. And they, even in an offensive era, the football is now – They've got to do a better job of getting some stops here and there, and I, that's going to be a process, and they're going to have to prove that to me. Uh, now, they, it's not the job to prove it to me. It's the job to prove it to their coaches and everybody else. But I think in terms of me saying, will they take a step forward on defense, I need to see more um, because until they do that, they're going to be a really, really fun team that's really fun to watch but wins about seven, eight games. If they want to get better than that, they got to play better defense. 
<laughs> Wes Rucker of 24-7 Sports with us here on Main Street Sports today. Tennessee Vanderbilt, 6 o'clock Friday at Hawkins Field. That game can be seen on ESPN2. 7 o'clock Saturday night on the SEC Network. 1 o'clock Sunday finale on SEC+. Plus. Um, should be a lot of fun. Uh, Wes, are you coming down? I am planning to, yes. I know Vanderbilt's got a small press box, so there have been some questions about which media is getting in and not getting in. I think uh, I, I'm pretty sure we ought to be able to get in, so I think uh, I am planning to be there. And uh, it's good because my sister lives in, in, in Brentwood, so I'll get to see her some. And uh, it'll be a, be a fun weekend between two teams and two fan bases who really don't like each other, which for me makes it all the more enjoyable because I think sometimes the hate – is the best part of sports in some ways. So I'm looking forward to it. This coming from a Cubs fan. Um, small press boxes. Small, hate sm- the Cardinals. Yeah. Small press boxes, small parks. Hey, it's, it'll all play out this weekend, <laughs> I guess. UT Vanderbilt in Nashville. All, not, not a lot of breathing room and a lot of, uh, lot of chest chest. Looking forward to it. There we go. Wes Rucker, 24-7 Sports, with us here on Main Street Sports today. Wes, again, we appreciate you taking some time with us and um, – Hope to catch up with you soon. Anytime, guys. Y'all know that. See ya. All right. When we come back, we've got a few things we need to check off the list, a couple of different topics. So we will get to that in just a few minutes. So come back here on Main Street Sports today. We're back after this. 